Rightio. So today's reading is um, Romans 12, 3 to 8. Sorry, a few pages. All right. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, prophesying, then prophet, prophesy in accordance, with, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Good morning. It's lovely to see your faces this morning, and I hope you don't mind seeing mine. Let's um, ask the Lord's help in absorbing all the good stuff he's got for us. Merciful God, we're very thankful that we've come under the sound of your word, that the good news has come this far, it's reached us, we've heard it, and by your beautiful grace we've believed it, we've received it. It's changed us and it's changing us. But Lord, um, would you please help us to believe again this morning, to keep believing Keep trusting, keep understanding. Help us to grow in the application of the gospel to our hearts and our minds and out through our feet and our hands, our words. Would you encourage us and equip us and correct us and do all that uh, you wish to do in us this morning. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been going through Romans, as you know, and when we get to chapter 12, this is where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, because chapters 1 to 11 are the explanation of the good news, and chapter 12 is where it talks about, now that you know this, here's what it looks like to do something about it. Would you like to hear more? Excellent. Glad you said that. So just to go back the last couple of verses, verse 1, Romans chapter 12, starting from verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So, in view of God's mercy, that is, the good news that Paul's been saying for 11 chapters up until this point, and that is that none of us, by our own effort and goodness, will ever be right with God. No one. But God has made a way through his goodness and his effort in giving Jesus Christ for us to be right with him as a gift that is his grace through faith, by receiving it, by believing it. This is good news. It's the good news of God's mercy. So in view of that, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give yourself to God. And be changed by changing the way you think, renewing your mind. So the question that I'm bringing to verses 3 to 8 is, what kind of change of mind is Paul talking about? What are some examples of the different way of thinking that we're called to? What does it actually look like to offer your body as a living sacrifice? And how does this relate to the mercy of God? Okay? Shall we? Let's. So we're called to think differently about ourselves. And Paul says, By the grace given to me, I say, By the grace given to me. When Paul thinks of himself, he thinks of himself from the perspective of grace. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 15.9, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this is the different perspective that a Christian brings to bear on one's own identity. That I am what I am by the grace of God. There's another saying you may have heard of there, but for the grace of God go I. Apparently this comes from a fellow named John Bradford who was an English preacher in the 16th century. Um, He had a run-in with Mary Tudor and was burned at the stake after spending some time in the Tower of London. But his story is preserved for us, and here are some of the things that he would say. When he saw a poor criminal being led to execution, he would exclaim, there but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. Now, he didn't mean, I'm in the Tower of London waiting for my turn, and I'm thankful that I haven't had my turn yet, but he would look at those who are being executed for crimes, not for preaching the gospel, And he would see in their life the potential to be his life because of his sinful desires. He knew that the same evil principles were in his own heart which had brought the criminal to that shameful end. And when he saw any drunk 
or heard anyone swearing, he would railingly complain, Lord, I have a drunken head. Lord, I have a swearing heart. Paul, when he speaks of himself, he thinks of the mercy of God. And he says, by the mercy given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And so we say with Paul and with John Bradford, there but for the grace of God go I. And he goes on, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. What does it mean to think of yourself in accordance with the faith that God has distributed? Perhaps it means that all of us here, <clears throat> when I'm um, doing PE, sometimes I say, okay, line up from the tallest to the shortest. And then I distribute the teams according to height. So that you've got a couple of tall kids in each team, we've got a couple of the shorter kids in each team, a couple of the middle in each kid. And I've always been short, so I don't feel like I'm insulting anyone when I do that. <clears throat> And I hope the kids don't either. But is that what it's like that Paul's saying, okay, so this morning everyone's got a different amount of faith and you can think of yourself in accordance with how much faith you've got. So let's line everyone up this morning from this end of the wall all the way around to that end of the wall with those who've just got this tiny little bit of faith and those with a lot of faith and you can think of yourself in accordance with that. Sound good? Well, if you're like me, you might, there might be a, quite a few of us over here. <laughs> and we would then feel very upset with all those over here and think, well, they should be over with the rest of us. What does it mean to think of yourself soberly in accordance with faith? We have to, my, my reference Bible told me to go back to chapter 11, verse 17 to 20. And Paul was addressing Gentile believers who, had the, who potentially were feeling superior to Gentiles, to, sorry, to Jewish people, because the Jewish people had been hardened in unbelief so that the Gentiles could come in. And Paul's saying, be careful about how you think about yourself. Verse 17 of chapter 11. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in amongst the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. What does it mean to think of yourself soberly in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you? What it means is that you only stand as part of God's people in right relationship with him because of faith. It's only because of faith. And if you're tempted to think, yes, because of my faith, Maybe have a look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, which says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
So if you belong to Christ this morning, it's not because of anything you've done. It's not because of anything about who you are. It's a result of the gift of God that has enabled you to believe and receive this gift of forgiveness in Christ. And that's how you see yourself. And that's how you see everyone else. We're all equally belong to Christ. No one is better than any of the others. It's all by grace according to faith. All good? Thank you. And so when you preach this message to yourself, then you save yourself from the roller coaster ride. So when I look back on the life of Dale Skews, this is what I see. In terms of how I feel and think about myself. So when I was in grade six, I was a very fast runner. I really enjoy saying that. (laughs) I was a really fast runner. In fact, I was the fastest kid in the school. Would you like to know how many kids were in the school? There were two boys in year six. And the other boy had different strengths. But my strength was in running, and I knew it. And I think with embarrassment about a conversation, just walking along with the principal and saying to him casually, I wonder who'll be the fastest in the school next year, sir? And um, he didn't say anything. And I think sometimes you help people by not saying anything and just let them think about what they just said. And so I've been thinking about what I said. And I'm glad that in the providence of God, year seven, I went from Urinquini Public School, primary school, to Mount Austin High School. And in my, my other grade six boy, who'd been to other schools before he went to Urinquini School, found people that he'd known before, and off he went. And so there I was on my own, with no friends, and in PE class. And guess what we were doing in PE class? Running. And I thought, this is my opportunity to show people that I am special. And in the providence of God, the PE teacher lined us up two at a time with his stopwatch. And he just called names out. I don't know why he called David Pike, because P-Q-R-S. I'm still a few letters away. But he called David up and he lined me up next to David and I heard people snickering and they kind of looked at me and they looked at him and he was already a man in year seven but he was already a man (laughs) and and they were snickering and I thought, I'm going to show you guys, You, you, you think I'm nothing but I am something because I can run fast. You're laughing too, stop that. It's not very nice. You don't know the end of the story yet. I might make up a new ending, actually, now that you're laughing at me. Anyway, go. And my self-esteem, whatever was left of it, just dissolved away as I just watched him disappear. (laughs) And it really uh, bewildered me because that was my identity. I was a fast runner and that's what made me special. And some of us... Some of you also probably have been from time to time on this roller coaster where you really need to feel special and that you uh, are important. And so you look 
for that in your gifts. And um, praise the Lord that at the end of year 10, I surrendered my heart, as we sang this morning, I surrendered my heart to Jesus, and I discovered at a heart level that I belonged to him and that I was special to him. And so I didn't care so much anymore whether people thought I was special because I knew that God loved me enough that he would pay for my forgiveness and just as he has paid for yours. But I've still found that I ride the roller coaster from time to time. Can anyone relate? And so I'm part of a small church, for example, where I can play the guitar and not many other people can. And the people who can, I can play a little bit better than they can. And I start to feel good about myself. And then in the providence of God, he has me now teaching at a school where every teacher can play the guitar and some of them a lot better than I can. And I think, well, maybe I'm not so special after all. <laughs> or, or I start to excel in, the, in my um, knowledge of the Bible and I'm able to teach the Bible to people. And then this is when I was in Melton and I had a, a, a special role in the church. And then uh, I go off to Bible college and you come across these people whose brains are so big, it's amazing it even fits inside their head. <laughs> and, uh, and they know not only the Bible, but they know what everyone says, all these um, ancient people say about it, and they can think and talk about it. And I just kind of think, they're just like this boy who just ran off into the distance in front of me before I'd even taken a step off the finishing line. And here I am again, uh, realising that my sense of value was tied up in my gifts. It's a strange thing because... Um, you don't give yourself your gifts. God does. They don't determine your value at all. But just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Now, none of us go around, unless we have a a lack of social awareness, none of us go around boasting about our gifts very much. In Aussie culture, you don't do that. But sometimes we attach worth to it in our hearts and we inwardly cling to our sense of giftedness. But it's not, you don't need your gift in order to belong to God. And I was preaching this to myself as I lay in bed last night and I was just enjoying this truth. I belong to Jesus. Regardless of my gift, I belong to Jesus. By faith, because of grace. So we can be humble about our gifts. But we can also be confident because when we identify our gifts, when we realistically look at ourselves and with the feedback of others and we identify our gifts, we can confidently use them because we're not boasting. We're doing what God asks us to do. Um, Paul says to Timothy, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Paul says, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. He's not embarrassed about being an apostle. He knows it's not something that he's functioning in because he deserves it. But nonetheless, he functions in it with confidence. And he says, I am who I am by the grace of God, but because of the grace of God, I say to you, I say to you. And if you're hesitant in using your gifts, just realise that it's not boasting, it's being responsible and it's enjoying how God made you. And that's a good thing. And be content. came across a story in the news this week of a man, I was going to show you a picture of it, but I deleted it um, because I thought maybe it wasn't so relevant. And then this morning at the 815 service, I suddenly realised it was relevant. Anyway, you don't have the picture. It's a picture of a man towing his 17-foot boat with a mobility scooter. (laughs) He's going to court this coming week for driving without a licence, driving an unregistered vehicle on the road, driving an uninsured vehicle on the road. And um, he just thought to himself, I've lost my licence, but I've finished my boat. I'll just use this. And when he got to the traffic lights, he realised that it didn't have enough power to start from a standing start. So he had to get off the mobility scooter and push the thing so that it would get some momentum. In the meantime, this took a long time, it was long enough for a police car to go past, do a U-turn and uh, have a little chat. Sometimes we can be a little bit like that mobility scooter in trying to do something we're not made for. Trying too hard. Because of insecurity, we want people to notice us. We want to be important and significant. Paul says this. If your gift is serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. Whatever your gift is, don't try and be something you're not. Be content with the gift you've got because it doesn't determine your belonging and your importance anyway. But recognise your gift and use it. Amen? Your gifts are for the faith community. This is where our, our being transformed by the renewing of our mind in thinking differently about ourselves flies very much in the face of our culture because our culture says to us, that your most fundamental right is to realise your dreams and develop to your true potential so that you can shine above everyone else. If you watch children's movies, and a lot of movies that aren't children's movies, but a lot of children's movies, this is the mantra. It's all about you and your dream and your potential. Believe in yourself and show everyone how great you are. And another... Um, part of our culture which this flies in the face of is that we are very much uh, entitled to being entertained. We are the most entertained people in the history of the world. And the entertainment culture can come into the church so that when we come to church there's the gifts of a few for the entertainment of the many. 
That's not what the gifts are about. In Christ, though we, in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. So each of us are given a gift, and it's for all of the others. So it's not about entertainment. You might come <clears throat> to church on a Sunday and think, well, I don't have any gifts um, that are worthwhile because I'm not at the front. Or I haven't got a job to do on Sunday. But it's not about Sunday. The gifts are about your life in community. And we exercise those for the love of those around us and to glorify God, not to fulfil our own individual dreams. So... I thought it would be worth just looking at these gifts individually for a moment because uh, we've looked at one way in which Paul Paul says, because of mercy and faith, because of grace and faith, which is the mercy of God, think differently, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So one way we're to think differently is to think differently about ourselves, think differently about our gifts. What about offering ourselves as living sacrifices? What does that look like? Well, one way that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices is that we use our gifts. And that will look different for you than it looks for me. So let's have a look at some of the different gifts. Prophecy. Prophecy is a wonderfully encouraging gift. It's when the Lord gives you something for someone else um, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I experienced this gift when I moved to Melton and I was part of a Pentecostal church uh, where the gifts, the spiritual gifts, were very much um, emphasised and focused on and that has its own dangers. But we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And God gives gifts so they can be used. Anyway, I sat in this room and uh, our visiting speaker had the gift of prophecy. And as he started to pray for people, it was evident to me that God was giving this man insight about the people that he was praying for that he could not have had otherwise except for by, by the Spirit of God. And how do you reckon that made me feel? Some of you are just uh, secure in the Lord and you would just be sitting there um, in, in lovely expectation of what the Lord might say to you. Well, I was actually in fear and trembling because I know myself well enough to know that there's all sorts of things that God could say about me in front of other people and I would be really embarrassed. And I thought, I deserve to be embarrassed. And so I was waiting for the Lord to expose me. Isn't that strange? It's obviously not the Lord that I was thinking of (laughs) at that moment. The Lord sent his son so that I would not be exposed. Jesus was exposed. And um, the man prayed for me. And as he shared what the Lord um, revealed to him, it was just the most encouraging and beautiful thing. And it just warms my heart many years ago now, but it warms my heart. And at times um, when I'm praying for people and I have a sense of the Lord's heart for that person, sometimes he will drop things into my mind and, and share that. And sometimes perhaps it's my imagination, but sometimes I think it, it really is the Lord. 
and it's encouraging. So I would encourage you to be open to the fact that maybe the Lord might um, gift you with prophecy. And if that is the case, don't say, oh, maybe it's just my, my own mind or who am I to share something that maybe the Lord is saying. But I encourage you in humility to prophesy, to speak, to share. But the thing with prophecy is, Paul says, to prophesy in accordance with your faith. What does that mean? There's a hint here in 2 Timothy. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of my notes. 1 Timothy 6.20. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. What's been entrusted to his care? The faith, the teaching of the faith. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed, and in so doing have wandered from the faith. So to prophesy in accordance with the faith is to have a clear mind of the gospel and the truths of scripture so that when you are speaking under the inspiration of the spirit, you can test what is said, whether that's you speaking or whether that's you hearing. It must be in accordance with the faith. And I love this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not put out the spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Don't despise the gift of prophecy, but make sure that everything he said that is tested according to the scripture, according to the gospel, and people will be encouraged and built up because that's what God's gifts do. That's prophecy. Now, where are my notes? Next one, service. If it is serving, then serve. The Greek word is the same word that is used for deacon. And we've recently appointed deacons, and the deacons are to deek. <laughs> Let the deacons deek. The word is a very humble word. It's become a word that describes a position in the church, and rightly so. We need to set aside people who can take care of the practical workings of the church. Um, there are so many needs. It needs to be organised and done well. But the word is a, is, a, is a humble word. And Jesus, when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest, he said, I'm among you, you call me Lord, and rightly so, but I'm among you as one who deeks. One, that's right, sorry. I shouldn't ask you a question, you give me the right answer and then I correct you. I'm among you as one who serves. The Greek word is the same. Diakonos. Um, if God has given you the gift of being able to help people in practical ways, don't despise that gift. Use that gift for the encouragement and the strengthening of those around you. Um, Acts 6, 1 to 6 and that previous... Um, point for deacons that's where the the apostles were getting overwhelmed with the needs of the people in the in the church and so they set aside people so that they could focus on their gifts they set aside people who could use their gifts to um to serve the people with according to their needs in acts chapter six teaching <clears throat> if you've got the gift of teaching then you're one of the people perhaps who sits in your home group or your bible study group 
and listens to the opinions and the cliches flying around the room and thinks, we just need to understand the truth of the scripture here. If that is a burden of your heart, then embrace that. And the danger is then you turn into a preacher in your home group, but no. The gift of teaching, we need people who are committed to understanding and explaining the scriptures because we so easily go off in our own opinions and our own thoughts and in the mould of the thinking of this world. Ezra is a good example of this. It says in Ezra chapter 6 verse 10, Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. And it's interesting that um, the, the exiles who had returned to do the rebuilding, they were spurred on by the prophets and the, teach, and the teaching of Ezra. Encouragement. Barnabas is called the son of encouragement. Do you remember when Paul had become a Christian and all the apostles were scared of him because he was such a fiery bloke and he was throwing everyone in jail, suddenly he became a follower of, of Christ, but they kept their distance from him. What did Barnabas do? Barnabas came alongside Paul and he brought him to the apostles. And we need people who come alongside. Perhaps that's the way the Lord has gifted you. I saw it in operation this morning when someone was upset and the person had been gifted to come alongside, to comfort, to encourage, to, uh, to companion, to support. Such an important gift, to counsel. Giving. Sometimes I've thought of the gift of giving as a person with a generous heart. If you've got a generous heart, you've got the gift of giving. What if you've got a generous heart and you've got nothing? You've got the gift of giving? And if the gift of giving is about having a generous heart, why does Paul have to say to the person with the gift of giving, make sure you're generous? I think perhaps the gift of giving has more to do with the fact that you have the capacity to give. And if you have the capacity to give, then don't hold on to what you've got, but be generous and give. So perhaps you've got the gift of giving in the sense that you have more money than you need. If you have more money than you need, the Lord would say to you, I have gifted you with giving. It's more blessed for you to give than to receive. So be generous. Um, Timothy, uh, Paul says in uh, Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present world, and comparatively speaking, most of us here are in the very top small percentage as far as the world population is concerned of being rich. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. See, not to be arrogant. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to, be, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life.
the gift of giving. Perhaps you're a person who's got more time than those, than others. Then you have the gift of giving, of giving of your time. Perhaps you are well, that you are fit, that you have capacity in your body to help others. The gift of giving. Whatever your capacity is, give generously. Amen? Leadership. Let us be renewed, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not according to the pattern of this world. I wouldn't have to talk to many of you after having said the word politician to get some little bit of negative feedback. Another thing about Aussie culture, we don't mind pulling down those who are in high positions. But sometimes we are critical with good reason because it's always a temptation that you, if you have a position that you then develop a sense of entitlement and then just sit back and enjoy all that that position brings. Well, Jesus says to us, that this is not the way it is in, amongst my people. And if it is to lead, verse 7, verse 8, do it diligently. Some versions say, do it with zeal. And so... If we've been given a position of leadership amongst God's people or in the community, then let us show what it's like to use that to its full potential in serving others. And finally, and I think it's lovely that this is, this is finally, showing mercy because we began with mercy in view of God's mercy. If your gift is in showing mercy then you are getting alongside, you are, you are helping people who are in need. And if you are spending a lot of time helping people who are in need, it's very easy for you to become grudging, to become cynical, to become negative. And I remember coming home from youth group one night when I was a teenager and I'd become a Christian and I was serving God here in the youth group um, with Chris and Rob and others and, and we were pouring ourselves into these people and they weren't responding and I wasn't seeing change and I was frustrated and I got home late at night after youth group and went into mum and dad's bedroom to talk to them and now I've got teenagers it's funny isn't it just when I want to go to sleep they want to talk and so I'm, I'm sure uh, mum and dad wanted to sleep, but I wanted to talk, and they were gracious. And I was airing my frustrations about the needy people that we were trying to help and their lack of response. And dad just, in his kind of dad kind of way, um, because it wasn't actually long before that, that I was, with all the advantages I had in life, a rebellious and uh, an arrogant and sinful um, Teenager. And Dad just said, just remember how long it took the Lord to break through with you. Okay. (laughs) That's all I've got to say about that. (laughs) Actually, now that I say it, maybe that was was pretty clever because then he could go to sleep. And I'm (laughs) thinking now. 
But remember that we are people upon whom God has shown mercy. Let's not become weary. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Especially those to those who belong to the family of believers. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit each other to you and we ask for your help in recognising and in using the gifts that you have given to us. Help us to be useful to each other, Lord, in recognising our gifts. Help us, Lord, if we are hesitant to be bold. Help us, Lord, if we are arrogant to be humble. Help us, Lord, if we are envious of others to be content and grateful. And help us always, Lord, to live in the light of the beautiful truth that we are who we are because of your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.